Hi folks, welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. This week's guest, and our first guest after Inbound 2023, is Matt Bolian, CEO and co-founder of Supert. Matt brings his unique perspective from both the solutions partner and now app partner side on why managed services, agencies, and other people-centric organizations can be difficult to scale. Matt shares why a scaling strategy is so important, how partners should be prioritizing the pathways towards scale, and what opportunities are in front of those partners who are able to leverage the right systems, teams, processes, and technologies for scale. And we then hone in on the idea of tech-enabled partners, where technology across the app ecosystem, including tools like Superd, can enable and support the growth of partners, including help with quick and efficient deployments for their clients, post-implementation adoption and usage from frontline users, and collaborative administration across the platform. Agency Unfiltered begins right now. Welcome to uh, the podcast, Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing? Fabulous. <laughs> can I call you KD? It's fabulous to be here. Fabulous to be here, KD. Thank you for uh, thank you for the invite. Do you go by MB? MDB. MDB. Oh, you got the middle initials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you uh, are you an acronym email sign off guy? Like initials? Like are you MDB when you sign off on emails? No, uh, okay. Matt, and that's only only because we have a client and. They're called MDB. So, all right. So I can see why that would be very confusing. So I get the call there. Yeah. There's there's some people out there that yep. My default stance is initials on my sign off, and you know I'm not one of those people, but you know I respect that energy when I see it. I'm just uh, I'm Matt right now, or um, I go by hero like hero names. So I go Big Bad Reds, um, which is my uh, video game name. Love that gamer tag. Gamer tag. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, Matt, you know I think a uh, few things that we're going to get into today. I think maybe the primary, the real entree of the the discussion today is going to be uh, uh, scaling, you know, uh, managed services organizations. And we know like hum- humans, right? Human-led, people-led organizations, uh, historically relatively difficult to scale. And so I think we'll get into the role technology could play in that. Um, but I also know like business venture wise, you know, we've seen supered. And we've seen some of the, the things play out, the connection with obviously Rev partners. And so I think there's a couple of different things we can talk about. Uh, and so if that feels good to you, maybe the best place to dive in uh, is actually uh, the business side of things, right? So uh, familiar clearly with Rev partners, obviously you've been a, a guest on the podcast before, uh, but now with the Supered brand, talk to me a little bit about the genesis of this idea, what it looks like. Uh, and like, you know, you, you've made that shift and that pivot. I uh, would love to learn more of the history behind it. Yeah. So I, um, for, number one, I come from a SaaS background. Um, mm-hmm. And when we got into HubSpot, um, and I say we, uh, Brendan, Brendan Tolson and I, my co-founder of our partners, when we got into HubSpot, both of us come from SaaS. And so um, a lot of our first clients were all B2B SaaS companies. When we got in it, we were like, hey, we <laughs> this ecosystem is about to explode. So we did it. It was like, hey, are we doing sales? We knew Salesforce. 
mm-hmm. I knew in dynamics and we were making a decision. It was really between those two. And we accidentally found HubSpot. I saw it. Hey, this is the future. So we said it. We're like, well, this is the future, but we don't know anything about it. So you can't, um, rather than like doing customer research and we were like, let's build a service company. Sure. <laughs> let's build a service company. Um, <laughs> bit naive, but that's what we said. No, the and, system that everything that we'll figure it out. It's just, yeah, let's yeah. offer some managed services and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's figure it out. And we're going to run everything like SaaS, Right. And so from the beginning, we're like, we're going to never do any anyway. So, so we're like, let's understand the problem sets that customers inside HubSpot are running into. Let's understand this ecosystem so we can actually play. So when we, um, we did that, um, and going through rev partners and doing the, trying to, we, we really wanted to be elite really quick so that we could understand the use case, have enterprise customer sets. Um, and, and then we found some, like we, we thought we found a problem and that's where super, the genesis of super is from, Hey, let's do a service company. Let's understand this. Let's find a problem. And, um, and then we, we're going to run, we're going to create a distinct separate company that maybe even will run antagonistically against our service company. Um, and, and so we're not worried about like, so we, we create a product that helps service companies scale. Um, and we're like, the biggest problem is we need to change the ecosystem itself and increase capacity of HubSpot so we can go up market. And there's like, we found this adoption issue, uh, but super, quite frankly, um, uh, make, uh, could technically hurt rep partners. And so like we made this, like we're, so, so when we did it, we needed a distinct company because we don't want to dilute the, the goals. We have two separate goals and I'm now running super 100% mm-hmm. don't work in rep partners. So you think of the Genesis, it's, um, um, uh, this is, happens in the Elastian marketplace. This happens in the Salesforce marketplace. And this has happened um, in any marketplace. You, you you start a service company and that service company starts to spawn solutions. And you'll start seeing more of those for app, app, app partners that find these problem sets will start to create more and more solutions. Yep. No, I think that's a fair hypothesis. And then Matt, you have to know, right? Agency Unfiltered, no free advertising here. We call them the competitors, the incumbents, but you know, we're not just out here name dropping any other you know systems out there in the ethos, right? But uh Hey, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole necessarily, but this was interesting. We and then you you almost hit it, but then you know you directly answered my question, which is fair. But you're like, hey, we're going to do a services organization, but we want to run it like a B two B SaaS company. What does that mean? How would you, what does that change about running that services business? It's that that's three. It's it's three set. It's three principles. Principle number one is we do um, we do not charge hours. So everything we do is going to be run as a retainer. We use the word retainer and agency. We never, we actually don't use the word retainer. We use the word subscription. <laughs> so that's number one. Um, number two is we will create a art. We don't have a, a delivery hand. We have a product hand. So when we think about our delivery, we actually structure it like a product. And so we have, we actually have a product engineer team that standardized everything from the very, very, very beginning. Mm. Um, and then number three is, uh, when, if you do subscriptions, when you think about finance, um, it's all about the evaluation of the company. And then you have, and how you do, we have upgrades, we have downgrades, we have contract expansion, contract. Um, and so like how we run CS is, is also explicitly about how, uh, mimicking SaaS companies. So when you think about this too, it's like how we structure the company and assign assets and people reflects how a SaaS company would run a subscription business. And so yeah. that's what we did. No, that's, yeah, it's good to know. Value versus retainer, delivery versus product. Love that note too about product engineering, kind of scoping out and scaling those processes. But then to your point, 
the additional, the, the dimensions in which account expansion growth uh, can occur. Love that. Love Correct. That. Um, so, all right. So you had mentioned, uh, hey, here, we're here to solve the problem. And it sounds like with Super, the problem was scaling managed services orgs or agencies, right? Like those people-centric type businesses. So that's the problem. What's your interpretation as to why that is such a prevalent problem? I'm going to change. Uh, that's one half the problem. Um, so the problem is um, a CRM is a product, uh, but we have holistically as a industry of CRM implementations, even in Salesforce or Dynamics, or if you go way back, like SAP, it is, we treat them as implementations and there were distinct, discrete starts and finishes. I am PMP like you too, Kevin. So like, I mean, so like get it. Um, uh, but like, that's an issue. And the reason it's an issue is because it's actually uh, a CRM is a living organism and it's an internal product that's used for end users that has customers. And those customers are your sales reps. Those customers are your CSM, your CSMs. And if they don't adopt it, your ROI on the system is zero. Yeah. And so we go through a, it's just like the website. You, like you go through these, you need a growth driven CRM. So the real problem, how do we sustain and trainings? How do you systemically change how adoption's done on a CRM? Yep. So I think the fundamental framing of CRM in the implementation as being a finite start and stop versus, all right, how do we have a more strategic approach to ensure frontline user adoption? Right. And that's going to yield the success overall. So like that's that's the other yeah. half of the problem as I hear. Yeah. Every new process that's added, whether it's a lead routing process, is a feature set that must be adopted or the data inside the system's not accurate and you can't use it and then you create an Excel spreadsheet. So the question is how the question we're solving first is how do you get adoption on a CRM? That's so super first answer to that question. So the way you do it is how you can like you can embed the documentation that you do. You always run these 50 page documentations. Nobody reads it. How do you embed documentation directly inside it? How do you give just in time learning, equipping people where they work, when they work? That's what super addresses. Um, and what we found is nobody wants to create any of that documentation. <laughs> so we, or maybe, it's not, maybe it's not always a thing about want. It's. Who has the time, the bandwidth, the space, the capacity, right? It's, yeah. But. Yes. And, and we like, and fans like, who's doing this in the HubSpot ecosystem? It's partners. Partners are the bread and butter. Partners are the, like, are what, and partners are so important for the HubSpot. And so we, 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 we created the ability to digital adoption, but then went, hey, what do partners need to be able to do to do implementations? And what do mm -hmm. they need to be able to do to create quick deploys and then create adoption? And, uh, and be an admin easier. And so we answering that question together mm -hmm. um, is what super what super ended up doing. And so if I if I think about it more broadly too, you know, if it's like, okay, the problem's twofold, uh, scaling these types of uh, people centric orgs, uh, and then, you know, the framing in long term utilization, like growth driven CRM adoption, those are the two halves. Uh, we're here to say that there are some technical like technology can be applied to solve these problems. Mm. Uh, uh, are there other considerations, right? So sure, for frontline user adoption, contextualized training, right? Surfacing uh, uh, resources in the location in which they're running into issues. Uh, but is there like a, is there a broader philosophy on like technology in and of itself, super being one of those? That's like, you know, I guess the question I'm asked is, how should I be looking to solution the problem with technology more broadly? 
right? Knowing that obviously we, we can see here that Super is an example of, of a technology solution that does that. Yeah, you're, I like how you're saying this. And it goes to this, the bigger, broader problem for partners and you're, you're hitting it is this idea of a service. Uh, how, do par how do you scale a business? And uh, partners in HubSpot are fundamentally people. Like you have to recreate people and you have to recreate processes and you have to teach them. And so the question is, are there tools, um, and we, we think about this when we're doing rev partners, are there tools where we can get really good at training, get really good at implementing that will decrease risk, increase capacity, and increase margin? And anything that does that is what you start to call tech enabled. And it increases the valuation of your company because it's not people centric. And so what we're thinking about for partners is how do we increase the value of the company we're running and anything that does that mean it really mean decrease risk of people and yep. increase the ability to print money. Right. And so it's like print out print, print results. And um, so it's a categorization, right? Like you, these businesses partners is the example here. Like they should be the, the category, like the layers tech enabled. They want to be a tech enablement, tech enabled firm, right? Because uh, to your point, all right, that's an uptick in capacity, uh, a widening of margins, and then overall business value can climb there too. Yeah. Yes. Um, and there will, um, yes. And so that's the answer, the problem we were trying to do. And so um, that is, um, and so when we were building Rev Partners, the question we were asking, hey, how, what tool would we want that would help, that would help us scale if we were starting over all again? Sure. Yep. And that's well, and I can imagine, yeah, your experience with Rev Partners, we can now see why that would help inform uh, what the what the product is that you want to develop, right? It's like, okay, we started services, feel the pain acutely, uh, and that's going to inform a solution that we know, you know, would solve the major problem that we ourselves dealt with, yeah. right? Yeah, and this is, and I, I know you're, you're probably going here, but like you think about the the HubSpot ecosystem is. Um, we have to have tech enabled partners mm -hmm. um, as, as, as the demand increases for HubSpot, right? And so, uh, yes, um, I, I want to touch on the, the ecosystem directionally, and we'll get there in a moment, I think, to kind of tease out tech enabled uh, or what tech enablement looks like for partners. I think you hit on a couple of them. All right. How do we find tech to, uh, efficiency gains in training uh, and implementation? Like, what are those subcategories? Where else does tech enablement occur? Yeah. Um Tech enablement um, often refers when you're talking about it is I have a proprietary um, piece of technology that allows me to compete against my competitors faster. Like that's what that's what tech enabled. So um, when you think about like that is developing tools internally, um, often that is a hey, I have a way to track attribution that's done outside of HubSpot that's totally mine because I can do it better and build it. So it's like those type of softwares. Um, the way I, the way we did at Rev Partners, we didn't build anything like that. Um, we used, we just looked at systems that could help us move faster. So for us, that is Loom, video first. Everything we do is a Loom video. Um, that is... Um, for us to do, like, how are we building reports? Initially, we started with Databox, right? We did everything in Databox that allows us to move faster. So it's those type, how are you building those systematically into your implementation so you can systemize and standardize and thus move faster? Yeah. So it's really, it's really uh, kind of stack. It's literally the partner, the tech stack for your business, right? And so understanding Correct. the apps that are going to unlock, right, the, the, these uh, streamlined processes or improved processes, pr pr improved outputs. Etc. Yeah, but and data a lot box, of partners, Loom, right? Yeah, we're we're talking tech stack. Yeah, 
Yeah, and a lot of partners in the past will do something like, I, I have an integration in the marketplace that's specific to NetSuite. I created it. I own it. And I am the now the partner that, the expert partner in NetSuite. And it'll be a public in the marketplace, but it's also, that's like becoming tech enabled, right? And I guess, let me ask you this, right? So it's like, uh, sure, uh, I'm a partner uh, and I could I could list the four apps, the text, the tech that my team uses and here are all the use cases for that. How is saying I'm tech enabled different than being able to cite what tech stack looks like across my workflows and, and processes? Yeah, you know truly, what I mean? So like, yeah, and I use the word tech when I'm gonna, from this perspective, tech enabled would hold up to the standard of a outside investor coming in, looking mm. and, and they're asking the question, can I, if I remove the founders, can I guarantee the success of the services being implemented over mm. and over again? So the more tech enabled you are, the easier the question is to answer that yes. So do I do all my, do you have, do you have a process and tech enabled can be process enabled almost, right? Do you have a process that leverages tech that makes you move faster? And it could be a proprietary combination of sure. public technology. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. And really it comes down to, all right, uh, letting the machine work itself to your point, founder removal, right. And then also just over and over again, consistency. Right. Those two things. If you can answer that question, that's the difference between maybe just, yeah, good tech stack versus I am a tech enabled business. Yeah, correct. Cool. So you mentioned the ecosystem. Let's go into that. Uh, this mentality, right. Uh, uh, is this, you know, uh, synonymous, you know, are, are they synonyms, right? Building a tech enabled organization uh, and moving where the ecosystem is going in HubSpot, right. We're talking about uh, moving from traditional, I don't know, inbound marketing, agency services to technical consulting and systems integration and solutions architecture design uh, is tech enabled firms and tech consultants. Is that synonyms? Does one yield the other? I guess the question is the intersection uh, or the overlap of, of these two concepts. I think you could do be inbound focused and I'm going to define inbound as providing um, 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 unknown, like awareness to conversion into like coming into a funnel. Uh, sure. You could be tech enabled and do inbound marketing mm. and you can be very technical just doing inbound marketing. Um, so I, a tech enabled is different and it more means does your business model have a higher margin than others and tech enabled is most best represented by the margin of the business. And it can be reflected in your gross margin and your cost of goods sold versus, and it doesn't necessarily in the profit, but your EBITDA will reflect an EBITDA. Nope. That's helpful. Yep. So it's, it's, uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, a sticking point on the types of services this business is either offering or hoping to offer right across the spectrum. If we're going to take the HubSpot ecosystem as a reference point here, regardless of service offering and where it fits in, right. Uh, you still have the opportunity to be a tech enabled firm. And that, you know, is a business model that would yield greater margins and have a higher value, right. To the ticket ticketed price for the business. Yeah. And, and I think technology will have to justify this. It's like, does this piece of technology, and the question is, it's not ROI. It's, does this affect my margin? Because um, it, it's a deeper question uh, often. Uh, now, uh, you know, for the partner program at HubSpot, right? I think, you know, there's, there's fairly conversations had about uh, team size, 
in the role that plays in uh, finding your corner of the partner program or like finding success. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's, you know, it should be a one-to-one correlation, but I know it's, it, it comes up. And so where does establishing, you know, a tech enabled process or operation, uh, how does that impact team size or team growth? Are tech enabled firms allowed to uh, grow teams, uh, find more, you know, success with the existing team size that they have, you know, I, I guess, where's the, where's the connection there? Yeah. A tech enabled firm. Um, so let me talk traditionally, cause what, just to put this in context is, um, I'm gonna ask the question differently. Can a, could a solutions partner last year, one person starting off, could they be a tech enabled service? The answer is not really right. Like you're, you are doing the work. And so tech enabled, again, it's all about margin. It's, it's not about per people. And so tech enabled means I, I can, I, I don't need a larger team, but I can have more revenue. So, um, it, it really starts at your first three to four to five hires. And it's at that when you're creating your processes, am I, um, um, and it's that problem set for a HubSpot partner is it's really, really hard to answer because there's nothing that truly makes you a tech enabled service implementing HubSpot. Sure. You have like, there, there's no way you, someone's got to go in that system and make those workflows. Yep. Someone's got to go in that system and create those properties. Um, yeah. So just as a point, um, I hope that answers your question. That's, that's yeah, I think it does. Right. And I think really in this, you've, uh, you've revisited the point. So it's like, it's, it's the helpful distinction here. Right. And it's all about margin. Right. And so sure, uh, you know, teams can be looking to grow or, but at the end of the day, right. Being tech enabled means that you will have improved margins with the existing team and system that you have today. Right. Regardless yeah. of what your goals are to team size, or otherwise, it's going to improve the profitability of, yeah. of your so, well, specifically gross margin. So your cogs for delivering your cost of goods sold for delivering are lower. And you may this is you may a technical service maybe over then invest in research and development on a product team that's building into their tech enabled service that make that continuously drives lower their mar or increases mm -hmm. their cost of goods served. So uh, that's what we um, it's just an example. Yeah. So if I'm tuning in, uh, again, yep, I have a tech stack here, are the tools I use and for what, uh, but I don't know if I can definitively answer that question. I think you would pose, you know, if we remove the founders, are we going to see, you know, guaranteed success, uh, sustained? Uh, so how do I make that transition? Uh, and you know, obviously reach that tech enabled label. Yeah, I, I, I would, um, I'm going to answer this in the HubSpot, eco, the HubSpot ecosystem or, and then as a, um, also a partner is partners have three, there's like three fundamental thing or maybe four that founders are doing. Number one, can I repeatedly create demand, which is marketing. So founder-led marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing that for RP as an example. I was a founder-led marketer where I was like the face and doing marketing. I'm not doing that anymore. So can I take that out and still do it? Uh, can I repeatedly collect demand? That's just sales. Can you have a sales process that people are following that you can actually and collect the demand? Can I repeatedly deliver the demand that was sold, which is delivery? And then can I ensure it's paid, which is finance? Mm -hmm. So you have mm -hmm. those four, you have these four 
places and you could call those um, the fundamentals of RevOps, right? Um, <laughs> but you have those four places and each one of those you need to be able to say yes to without a founder being there. Uh, now, you go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, now tech enabled, you don't need to be tech enabled to do any of those. There are large organizations. I mean, Smartbox, like look at them. They don't, they don't have the founder doing those things and they're executing very well. It's, um, you do not need to be tech enabled to build a large company. What tech enabled allows you to do, it allows you to grow faster, more profitably with less risk. So the question then becomes, are there things, and, and usually tech enabled is, is not on sales. So think about like a SaaS company. SaaS companies have expensive sales, expensive marketing, but where do they win? It's in their product. Their products often run at 85% to 90% like, percent margin. So they can, they can afford large organizations that are focused on sales and marketing, creating demand and collecting demand. And then CS. So um, if I was focusing on tech enabled, it's you need to get delivery of your product and the tech that allows you to do that portion well. That's where you experience margin. Um, and so uh, regardless of HubSpot ecosystem uh, participation or not, tech enabled means more profit, faster growth, uh, and less risk, right? Now, uh, those in and of themselves are going to be beneficial for an organization and a reason as to why they would want to become tech enabled. Are there additive uh, opportunities available if you achieve that tech enablement status in the HubSpot ecosystem specifically, right? Like, is there a HubSpot ecosystem to spin to this opportunities wise for solutions partners? Yeah, I'm going to just a side note. Here's a question. Is using HubSpot mean you're tech enabled? The answer is no, period, but it makes you process enabled. And that, that is what, what you think about, like, why does a company buy HubSpot? Just a point, like they are buying something that's standardized on. So what they can get sold, they can increase value because they have a repeatable process to take founders out. <laughs> okay. And repeated. And I bet you Tech could, you could, you could say, I didn't mean to cut you off here, Matt, but like you could say that too for any system, right? Like, oh, uh, you know, we use Databox for our reporting. Does that make you tech? We use Loom for our, you know, video first engagement. Does that make you tech? The existence? No. Obviously, the HubSpot CRM platform is a little wider than that, but still, like, that point could be made, right? Regardless Correct. of tool. It's, it's how it's used often. Tech, um, in the HubSpot ecosystem, and I'm going to talk, this is why I think it's important to focus on delivery. So mm -hmm. can you make sales more efficient and effective? Yes. Can you make your website and your marketing ops more efficient and effective? Yes. Can you make CS more efficient and effective? Yes. Can you make delivery more efficient and effective? Yes. It's a project management system, but then it ends there. Or reporting system. But someone still has to configure HubSpot. In the HubSpot ecosystem, this is the problem we went to go fix out for Super. Um, and the, uh, like you need a sandbox to production. You can't do it today. You have to copy workflows and lists and forms and emails and sequences, and you can't even Super. Push a button, move it, done. I won't. Re I won't. I have a very specific way I'm doing real estate or manufacturing, and I know that industry in and out because I've done it, and I have a specific pipeline with training built in. Push a button, like and you can now take that, and it used to be 25 to 40 hours of work becomes 15 seconds. That, so it's cloned, like niche designed template, verticalized, verticalized yes. template. You know that you have in one portal. We know it works well. Now you're just dragging it across with a click of a button. Correct. And it is, um, it is, um, where you can now scale frameworks and ideas, not people. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's, that's the thing tackling. And when you think about SaaS, 
products, what, 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 how they build and why they build. It's all, that is what you do. You build something that allows you to have margin on delivery and HubSpot hasn't had to be able to do that before. Should, uh, partners be thinking about, uh, tech enablement consultancy or like what's the servicing opportunity here to help other businesses, their customers, their prospects, their clients become tech enabled themselves, right? What's this, what's the service offering, the service packaging around that? Yeah, this is the movement and you see this, this will be with, um, I mean, you have honestly every elite partner in some, uh, platinum, every partner, you're starting to see these apps come out, right? This is this even have HubSpot, um, ventures, Mm -hmm. uh, funding, uh, putting something in happily. Yeah. which is, uh, which has a service for helping partners build apps. It is um, find something that you've seen over and over again, a problem you've solved and then create an app and then institutionalize that into your delivery mechanism. And then you're tech enabled. It can be a net suite integration for mm-hmm. HubSpot. It could be integration specific. It could be industry specific lead routing for field services. It could be whatever, like you start to see those, you can start to build an app and, um, or choose other people's apps and build your service around those things. And you, and you're increasing, you're increasing margin, right? Because you don't need people to do those. You now have apps that you, that you understand that you've either built or you're leveraging. I mean, we know the app. So first off, uh, I'm, I'm, my hypothesis is clearly it's easier said than done to go build app a, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, like a, yes. a tall order, tall ask, uh, where do I even start to hire the right folks to allow me to do that? Uh, and so you maybe, you know, all right, the quicker path towards tech enable is to seek out, you know, the apps in the ecosystem today. And so the kind of second half of that recommendation, knowing it's, I don't know, thousand plus 1300, 1500 apps, uh, how am I navigating that? And, you know, what are the criteria I should be looking for considerations to, to find the, the right, you know, corner of that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, here's how, I'll just give you how uh, we approach it at our uh, rep partners. Um, and there, this is there's some philosophical things. Um, and I'm not saying they're right. This is just how we did it. Sure. Um, so number one is um, to to build something around a product, you must know it in and out. So I'm a big believer and f- go uh, go deeper with fewer. Okay. So, you know, um, you have to just, so number one, you're picking less and going deeper. And that could be, I am the HubSpot gong person, right? I'm the HubSpot. There is a entire agency, an entire agency. And they literally called, I do zoom info and HubSpot, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So go like find, um, like go. F- so that's number one, just it's philosophical. Number two, how do you find those criterias? So, um, one of the things I always looked at the first question I ask, uh, because as a business, what's the, what's the most valuable part of a business? Uh, it is money that can be guaranteed. It has multiples on it. And so if I have a reoccurring revenue stream, it is, it is, uh, depending on what the environment is, it can be three X to 15 X mm-hmm. that, that revenue stream. So the question I always ask is what is your partner program? And do I get reoccurring revenue? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a yes, no. If you say no, I'm not entering your partner program. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah. All right. What's how am I filtering my list? Yeah, revenue generated. You know, uh, revenue share of partner. You know, affiliate. Whatever. Right. Like the existence of that is going to be the starting point. Is that's right. your the philosophy? Yep. Yep. And then number three is: Will this internally, if adopted, what is the percentage it will? And if it's hypothetical, like how many hours will it save? How many hours will it save when 
I am delivering a solution. And just think about it that way. And so you just like, how much is of my per? If it's a hundred dollars an hour that we know we, or if I fifty dollars an hour in cost, and it saves me ten hours, mm -hmm. it's worth five hundred dollars. And then it's scaled over a certain amount of times. And you do those three things. It's really easy to do. Or just those two things. Do you have reoccurring revenue and how many hours will it save? And then pick one or two of those. Yeah. And I can imagine, again, you want to sort from the top how many hours it'll save. It really, it's just another way to look at how much value will this bring, right? This tool, if installed to the right people in the right place. And so, yeah, you want to sign up for one that you know has citable value and impact, uh, has revenue sharing opportunities. But then I think the overall guidance too is deeper with fewer, right? It's all, you know, it's right. not unlike, yeah. you know, niches and riches, right? Riches and niches, right? Yes. Uh, and a good point of that is, um, and don't, it, what I wouldn't get caught up in is, are you going to give me leads? Um, are you mm. going to uh, do cocoa marketing with me? Here's the reality. Um, being, being a thing that helps people being like that helps people come, come tech enabled people spend their time when other people care, like you spend time with people when they care about you. So if you demonstrate that you care about them, they will come and they will give you the leads and then you'll become a preferred partner. And um, you, they, then you'll co-marketing will come out and you'll start to get more from that relationship. It's not one plus one equals two. It mm -hmm. is one plus one equals three. When you go deeper with fewer, it's why you, it's why, it's why people should pick a CRM and get really good at one CRM. Yep. So it's almost like, you know, some of the, some of the criteria others may have, Oh, what are the lead gen opportunities? What are the co-marketing opportunities? It's more so let that be the fruit that bears you know, based on your, your commitment and inability to, you know, sell, install, et cetera. So that's the right. outputs of the relationship, not something you're demanding as, you know, the starting, the inputs, whatever it might be. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, that's helpful. Um, uh, uh, if folks want to, uh, you know, go through this process, identify right through the criteria you've suggested. Okay. I, I think directionally, you know, uh, this is where I want to hitch my wagon. I think the the app or the apps that I, you know, we really want to uh, be able to be the experts on uh, other than just letting your sales commitment, resell uh, implementation of do the talking, any recommendations on how to uh, establish deeper roots and stronger relationships with them? You know what I mean? Uh, even if leads, co-marketing, like we, you mentioned, those are yeah. outputs, but like, how do I how do I really, you know, get entrenched in that organization? Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, I'm gonna restate the question. How are you attractive to the to the to the app partner or or the or the other the tool? Yep. Um, I'm gonna give three things, and just because again, this is me experiencing. I'm a, you're attracted to people who talk about you and publicly <laughs> share that you're awesome. So, if uh, a good way to get someone's attention is to talk about their solution on LinkedIn, evangelize, um, be an advocate, like yep. be an advocate. Number one. Um, number two, um, just send them an email saying, Hey, I am putting this, here's the opportunity that I'm now leading you in. And here is something that I'm including you in. Thank you for showing me this. Would you like, and just like, period, send that. So keep them informed. Um, and then number three, um, use them. Don't just be talk or bluster, like actually use it. Cause they, they have it. They have all the data in the background. They can see who's using what. Mm, yeah, just not an empty purchase, to, you know, but like you're talking about, like, yeah, demonstrate power usage for yourselves. Mm -hmm. Drink the champagne. Yeah. yeah. Um, Matt, as we come up on time, uh, you'd mentioned, uh, hey, one of the most important considerations is the number of hours it will save, right? Like when you're validating apps. Uh, just to quickly revisit Supered, 
what function within Super or what, you know, what component of it do you find to be the most impactful or valuable, right? Like what aspect of Super specifically, you know, tends to save, you know, users the most time? Uh, I'm going to say two. Um, there's one that's really easy to understand and what sells it very quickly. And there's one that doesn't, isn't actualized until after people are in it. So uh, number one is, uh, let me give it to sales audit. So think of the time to just build a dashboard. If you have a dashboard or you have a workflow that you've built in more than one instance, you're literally choosing to do it the hard way because often it'll be five hours and that can literally become 15 seconds. And uh, so that people see that and it's, it's quite, it's very easy to think about how much value this brings. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is we talked about is your CRM is a product and if people adopt it. And so how are people adopting? How are they being trained and who is training them? And how do you increase the lifetime value, which like the LTV thinking like subscription, how you increase the LTV of your clients? It is, they see you all the time. And so if you can use super to like actually implement and you are as part of their implementation in their CRM with experts, and they see your Loom videos telling you how to create deals. Even if you're not working with them anymore, they will come back to you. So hmm. it is the, mm -hmm. it is, hey, this is not saving hours, but it's literally going to, like it will save hours in the sense that people actually use the system you created and you don't have to answer Slack messages over and over again. Yep. So it's those two ways. Yeah, love that. Um, and I mean, again, some secondary long-term benefits of just having your face, your looms, your content be visible in app, always pertinent. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if you're not actively engaged with them, like, man, that's that's a continued positioning of yourself as a support thought leader, right? Available resource. Love that. Exactly. Uh, all right, Matt, let's wrap here. Final question. I know you've seen it. Uh, now, normally, what's the strangest part of agency life? I don't know, man. What's the strangest part of tech-enabled life, right? And the strangest part of tech enabled life is, um, oh gosh, you asked me a question. I was already for Kevin tech enabled life. I by design, um, man, by design, you know what I mean? We get, we got to get the organic reactions. To that. Uh, uh, okay. So I, I'm, I'll say this. So, um, when I was a, when I was doing rev partners, I sold a person. You sell a service, you sell a feeling. Mm -hmm. And so uh, doing your first couple of sales is, is not, is not as hard because you're selling yourself and you are the, your person delivering and it's, you're doing services. Selling product is totally different, especially that going to zero to a hundred K AR and hundred K to 1 million. It is, it is, you're selling a dream at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> which mm -hmm. uh, like, here's what we're going to do. I promise, you know, get this 90% discount as we do it. Please be our early adopter is been weird. Mm. Um, so it's like really hard to get started, but much faster afterwards where doing a service company is really easy to get started and harder to scale. And it, it, it's about this. If you don't come tech enabled, it's really hard to scale a people organization mm. yeah. where SaaS answer. is fundamentally tech enabled. <laughs> so good. To know, good answer. Yeah. Um, well, Matt, uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, obviously, uh, always enjoy, you know, hearing what you got going on, learning about Supered, uh, but more broadly too, tech enablement, uh, being a tech enabled organization, what that unlocks, uh, margins, profits, value, uh, and then obviously some servicing and some opportunities ahead of partners as we take a look at the app ecosystem. So a ton here. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's always good catching up. Thank you, Kevin. Stay awesome. Keep doing it big and stay super. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Matt. And uh, for anyone tuning in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.